The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to This Is MVM, a podcast series coming to you from beautiful British Columbia, Canada. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle St. Hill, Vanessa Williams, and Marianne Pine. This is MVM. This is MVM, and these are our stories. Did you know there are more than 2,800 hockey rinks in Canada? However, almost twice as many kids under 14 play soccer. Ice hockey is still the second most practiced sport in Canada for all over 15 years of age. Ice hockey comes after golf, but before soccer. But did you know that lacrosse is a national sport? And by the way, just for the record, our dollar bill is called a loony. We have famous Canadian celebrities, which include Justin Bieber, Michael Bublé, James Cameron, Jim Carrey, Celine Dion, Ryan Gosling, Rachel McAdams, Mike Myers, Ryan Reynolds, and William Shatner. Did you know that? Nelly Furtado, Brian Adams, Paul Anker, and the guests who? Rush, Steeper Wolf, and Bare Naked Ladies. Alanis Morissette, Neil Young, and Avril Lavigne. And... Canada is a multicultural country, a beautiful nation of immigrants. Hers is a complicated history that continues to undergo the much needed conversation of acknowledgement and reconciliation. For many, Canada is a land of refuge, a promise and realization of a better life for all. Immigration to Canada is a unique experience which brings us to today's topic, immigration. My name is Michelle, and I'm gonna be telling you my story of why I came to this beautiful country called Canada. Today, I also have with me my co-conspirators, Without Vanessa and Marianne, there would be no MVM. So, introducing my first. Hello, hello, beautiful people. I am Vanessa, the V in MVM. So excited to be here sharing stories with my sisters. Each session brings new discoveries. This reminds me I am not alone in my challenges, that my experiences are unique to me, but are not so different in comparison to others. Hmm, why did I choose Canada? Was it for love, money, opportunities, aka the grass is greener on the other side? Stay tuned, I'll tell you all about it. Marianne? Marianne here, president accounted for. To share our stories with you all once again. Hope you've been good to yourself since the last time. Coming to Canada? Hmm, not by choice, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Michelle, let's hear your story. My story for you ladies was a little bit different. Canada was actually our second choice. Paul and I had decided that we would move to America and I had been working with a company as an educator that was situated in Chicago. And whenever we went to training in the States, it would be very interesting because I'd be listening to people talk. And we thought, I said to Paul, everybody at the time was moving to America. Why don't we check it out? And he had some job opportunities that were presented to him. So he thought he would do it. But prior to that, he actually was thinking of going to Saudi. One of his colleagues at work had an opportunity to go and he and his wife picked up and left. And I said to Paul, why are we staying here? So we decided to try out Canada, um, to try out, sorry, the US. And we were still actually waiting for our application papers by the time I became pregnant with our daughter, Dominique. Now, after that, it was like, okay, what should we do next? Hmm. Do we really want to go to the States? I'd listened to people talking. I'm going to be very, very honest here. 
I had a lot of the American technicians who were um, working with us with Softsheen, who would often be so interested in the fact that we had multiracial marriages and that black and white people seemed to mix harmoniously together in the UK. And I wondered to myself, would I want to go to America and deal with situations that my children would then have to be identified only by the color of the skin? And I just didn't like that idea. So. Canada became an option after Paul was having interviews in the States. His mom and stepfather had gone to Canada. They actually were in Mississauga. And Paul's stepfather drove down to New York and picked him up. They went back up to Canada. Paul called me goes, oh, Michelle, it is beautiful here. It's so clean. And this was 1989, 1988, actually, 1988. So Canada was so clean. It was beautiful. And, you know, I said, well, then why don't you apply to Canada? Just like that. Why don't you apply to Canada? So we came back home. We got in touch with the Canadian embassy. We got our immigration papers because in those days, I don't believe you actually went on to the Internet because I don't think we had internet in 1989. I think we literally had to send a letter and apply, which we did. And I remember one young lady who I had hired was applying for Canada and they kept being denied all the time. And I said to Paul, no idea why that's happening. But for us, we actually got more points. Paul was an auto mechanic. And in those days, because he was with Mercedes Benz, he was called um, a technician. And uh, so he was a technician with Mercedes Benz and he scored very highly in the point system because there was a shortage of mechanics and I think we all know that the blue collar work in Canada is always being stolen from other countries and we got massive points for that. We were also a young family with two young children which meant that Canada would have future taxpayers in our young children. They didn't really want us is what I always say. They don't actually want the grown-ups, they want our offspring because if we we had a house to sell in the UK so we were coming with a little bit of money. Uh, we both had a profession, a trade, so we weren't going to be dependent on the system. And we arrived in Barrie, Ontario, the 27th of January, 1990. And I wondered what the heck happened when we climbed up the hill with all that snow. Pearson Airport, when I arrived, was plus two, and Barrie, Ontario, was minus 15. Uh, it was scary, um, really scary. I, I had never seen so much snow. And um, we settled in about four and a half years. We were in Canada at that time when we lost everything. So the world that was supposed to be so easy on this side of the globe wasn't. And um, we lost jobs. We lost our house. We lost the business. And we're almost going to go back to England. And I said, you know, if we go back to England with nothing, we might as well try the other side of the continent. And then we moved over to British Columbia, which we've been since. Um, I would say it's been very interesting. I miss the UK because I do miss cultural diversity. If we had stayed in Ontario, it probably would have been a little easier for sure. I miss um, just the banter. I miss the sense of humor. I miss the music. Vancouver is a beautiful place if you love the outdoors, if you love hiking and golfing and the beach and paddleboarding and winter sports. And if that's not your thing, there's not as much to do in the way of theater and drama and music concerts, although those things definitely do happen here. 
But if you want to go somewhere when you're in your mid 40s and 50s, you often feel like you're babysitting when you get into those arenas because they tend to not cater as much to our age group. And that's the only thing I will say that as I am aging here in Canada, I'm really craving for a different place. Which is probably a little sad, but this is the home my children were raised here. I became a citizen in 2009, so I did really wait a long time. And that was because I wanted to vote. My children were of age, and if we didn't become citizens, my fear was that they would, if ever anything happened, they could be deported. We could all be deported if the country decided to change some little clause. And so we became citizens. So we've now been a citizen for 13 years, 11 years, sorry, and living here, enjoying the fruit of what Canada has to offer and um, yeah but I still miss I miss I miss a lot I miss I miss I miss I miss I miss Vanessa what about you love what would you say about your journey for me I knew I wanted to migrate somewhere and so my choice was my first option was England because I didn't know anyone in Canada however I met while I was on the cruise ship because I was working then with Royal Caribbean my roommate had a cousin living in Vancouver and we started talking. I went home on vacation and I met him. And following that, I decided, one, I wanted to be on land for my children because I felt like I was missing out from their upbringing. The longer I stay, yes, the money was good. Uh, but I felt like the longer I stayed, I was going to continue to miss a lot of their birthdays, you know, their school events. And I didn't want that. I wanted to be on land, but I did not also want to be in St. Vincent because they didn't have a lot of opportunities. We don't have natural resources there. And so I knew I had to leave if I wanted to give my children a better life. So I came to Canada for love in the beginning, <laughs> supposed to be love. <laughs> That's another topic for another day. Uh, I came here January 16, 2000. I landed in Toronto. The next day I got outside and I'm gonna experience snow for the first time. So I picked it up in my hand and I was so excited. Man, within one minute, I had to drop that snow. My fingers were like, I've never felt my fingers so frozen. So that was my first snow experience, but yet still, I wanted to know more. The next day I came to Vancouver and this is where I've settled for the past 20 years. In the beginning, I miss my family because coming to a country where Honestly, I hardly knew the person that I was coming to. Back in the days, we only had direct phone calls. We didn't have all these apps that we have now. So we communicated a lot, but the phone bill was very high. It was expensive. And I, when I came, the first six months, I was given six months. And then when that time came, I decided I'm going to extend my time. So I applied for an extension. I got the extension. I'm trying to get work because you know now money's running out whatever i brought with me was going and there's no jobs because canada is very strict in terms of working i've got a job working as a cleaner my god i wasn't too happy about that because i felt like i already left there what i was doing on the ship i had already moved up i was making this much money i wasn't a cleaner anymore i didn't want that title and so but I had to swallow my pride, you know, a girl got to eat 
and I had to do what I had to do. So I got married a year later because we are like, okay, should I go back or should I stay? He's like, you should just stay. All right. So I applied and within nine months after that, I became uh, landed back then. It was immigration process was so easy and simple. Once they think you were telling the truth, you, you, one thing I, I would encourage anyone though, listening to this is whenever you go to someone's country, always apply for an extension. Try not to overstay your time if you can help it. It makes your process much easier when you have to apply for your permanent residency. So yes, I came here for love and then realized if I bring my children, they're going to have a better opportunity in terms of schooling and jobs. And that's what I wanted. The following year, my mom decided to bring my children. And... <laughs> This this topic is definitely bringing back memories for me. My mom decided she's going to bring my kids up to visit me. And the week before they were supposed to return, she never told me until the Monday they had to leave the Friday that the children didn't have a complete ticket to return to St. Vincent. <laughs> and you know, want to know what, what happened, ladies, in that same week? Tell us. You will not guess. <laughs> I lost my job. Tell me what else can go wrong. First of all, you're here alone. You don't really have the support of your full family. You, you have a job paying minimum wage. Your children are here and now you lost your job. And the children are supposed to be going back in four days. Luckily, I had my good friend, Michelle. Michelle, I have to talk about this. That came to my rescue. Michelle and her family took my children in and gave us a place to stay for for a while. This this makes me emotional, sorry. I got scary too. <laughs> but that really helped me. Um, yeah, one day we'll get more into that, I guess. <laughs> today is definitely not today. Um, but that, that um, they were able to help me with my children. And because of that, I was able to stay in Canada longer and bring my children up. And today, um, I'm very thankful it's important when you go somewhere on your own, even if you don't have money, that you build friendships that you can depend on. Because sometimes those friends are more, even more important or useful than money or some family members that you think you can depend on sometimes. And as I continue my journey here in Canada, I have no regrets. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I like being in this country. I was happy to become an immigrant. No, I am a citizen of Canada. I do have dual citizenship. So I'm thankful that they allow you to keep your citizenship from your country of birth. And you can continue and grow because there's so much opportunities here for us ladies, you know? Now look at us. We all are immigrants and we all are here doing what? sharing our stories of how we become and we are becoming forever Canadian. Marianne, what's your story? Well, you know, thanks for sharing, Vanessa. You know, what you said a while ago about um, the friendships that you make here, I think there are a lot of immigrants that have similar stories in terms of that one person or that family that made a huge difference in their life. So yeah, big up to Michelle. 
good for you to share that. For me, my story was a little different from the both of you. I used to come to Canada on vacation as um, in like about 12, 13. And then uh, when I was living in Jamaica, and then my mother decided that she was going to move here because she had finally met someone and he was he was Canadian, and even though initially he said that he wanted to stay in Bermuda, he then decided he wanted to come back to Canada to live, which really wasn't part of her plan, but of course, in love-ish, <laughs> and decided to yeah, go for it. And then that just kind of upset my world because all of a sudden my comfort living with my grandmother, being in Jamaica, my friends in high school and so on, all of a sudden it was like mommy wanted her child and, you know, it was time to to um, live with her. I mean, I even ran away from home with the help of my grandmother <laughs> and hid in our neighbor's attic. <laughs> I tell you, life is interesting. So uh, coming to Canada was not necessarily by choice. There wasn't a need for it. There wasn't a need for my mother either. Um, we were comfortable where we were. If anything, I would have hoped she would have moved to Jamaica, you know, but that didn't happen. And so I came here as a teenager. I started off in Kitchener, Waterloo. I went to high school there and uh, I stayed in Ontario until uh, my first son was born and then we went back to Jamaica to live because my husband had to, um, his, his dad had died the previous year and he had to take over his business. So that was the first round. Interesting time it was, uh, found out just how well advanced we were in Jamaica when it came on to education and just life in general. I mean, I remember going to Bermuda for my 16th birthday and I'm back at school now after someone. I'm there standing up, talk, you know, at the, at the bus stop talking to my friends and telling them about this fantastic time I had in Bermuda and sneaking out at midnight and going to the club and excitement, drama, drama. And this poor little girl come up to me and like, Marianne, did I hear you talk about hotels and, and, and nightclubs? I'm like, yeah. She says, what? I thought you people lived in trees. And she was not being mean. She was, listen, the poor child. I felt sorry for her. My friends were mostly Canadian because there was like only three black people in the school at a the time. They wanted to take off her head. And I'm like, I recognize that that child probably had not even been outside of Kitchener Waterloo, had not even been 60 miles away to Toronto. So um, I, okay, I, I, I let that go. It wasn't a problem for me, but I just recognized just the differences, you know? And um, so stayed in Jamaica, uh, went through one marriage, um, got remarried like many years after and decided at that point in time it was a decision whether to stay in Jamaica and make it work based on how things were going or at the time based on the, the ages of the children come to Canada and perhaps give them uh, some more advantages in terms of you know, going to college, university, and so on. My first son had already left home. He was uh, in Asia on a badminton scholarship. So it was just the three of them. And and this newish husband into, for me, 
it was a big mistake, I think, at the time. Yeah, I love Canada. Canada is wonderful and great. But quite frankly, I should have allowed my, my children to finish high school in Jamaica and then think about moving. So, you know, there's a lot that can be said, but the education and, you know, coming to coming with teenage children to this country where one for sure it was like i mean my, the nickname for two of my children was jamaica because of course they're very they're very outgoing and so on and of course um you know a lot of people gravitated to them and because a lot of people gravitated to them it was just drama excitement blah 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 and yeah it was an interesting time with interesting people so it was good coming here on one hand but you know, I can see where perhaps if I had made other choices, I mean, I have no regrets, of course, but I can see had I made other choices, who knows, but you never know. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Michelle. Well, as you say, you know, that's really interesting because when you say you didn't need to come, life was good where you were, similar to, to my story too. I think I had just thought because Paul's mother had gone to England and left the children and then, you know, gone up to England to, for a better life for her children. My mother had gone up to study and then stayed in England. And so my thought was, well, that's kind of like what you do. You kind of like you go somewhere else. You're not bound and rooted to one place. So didn't really think about it being a big issue when we left the Canada. I will tell you this. If I had to do it again, I don't know if ripping ripping the grandchildren away from their grandparents was, was such a great idea. But having said that too, the children used to go to England every year for summer to be with their cousins. And when I think just before Pierre turned 16, he decided that he no longer wanted to go. So, you know, these, as you said, are our stories. We have a wonderful guest who's going to be sharing her story. You're listening to This Is MVM. We'll be back with our guest, Sandra Martin, after a brief word from our sponsor of the day. Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to This Is MVM. My name is Judy Lewinson, a.k.a. Judy Lou, executive producer at Bangrio. I would like to take this moment to thank you for listening to today's episode. You could be anywhere doing anything right now, so we're especially pleased that you've chosen to spend a little time with us. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Posh and Harmony. Posh and Harmony is both a health and beauty brand as well as an online marketplace featuring many BIPOC-owned brands for people of all ages and cultural backgrounds. Start your melanin-filled shopping experience today. Visit Posh and Harmony at poshandharmony.com. Celebrating melanin magic, made by us, loved by everyone. Thank you for your continued support of This Is MVM. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. And don't forget, today's episode is on immigration. We have a guest today with us, Sandra, who came to Canada on one of the specialized immigration programs in the early 1990s. Over the past three decades, she has had a front row view of what it is like to be an immigrant in Canada, both personally and professionally. She's been involved at the leadership level in various local and national immigration serving community organizations. And through this involvement has contributed to capacity building and training programs 
programs geared at immigrants. One of her passions is helping new immigrants successfully assimilate in Canadian society. She currently works in HR at a non-government organization where she daily comes into contact with new immigrants and candidates seeking employment to facilitate their permanent immigration to Canada. Welcome, Sandra Martin. How are you today? Thank you. I am wonderful. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. Would you like to share your story with us so that we have a little bit of an idea of how you came to be a Canadian? Sure. I actually came to Canada back in the early 1990s on the what is considered a nanny program. And that, um, that program was an evolution from the domestics, which came into being in the early 1960s. Um, back then, um, the Canadian government, they needed people to take care of their kids, basically. And so the National Household Program came into being where the Caribbean immigrants, basically from Jamaica and Barbados in particular, were invited to migrate to Canada as domestics. These, there were specific, specific um, requirements for them. You had to be between 18 and 36. And of course, you had to be female. One, one of the benefits of that program was that after five years, these individuals could become, um, apply to become permanent residents and they could also bring their families. So this was one of the first programs that was implemented for non-whites that had a opportunity for residents attached to it. And so the program I came on evolved from that program. Um, by the time our time came around, the focus was not so much on domestics, but on child caregivers who were also skilled professionals. So they were focusing on teachers and nurses because they wanted to have individuals who were educated enough, quote unquote, um, to be a good value to their children. Um, and so if we look at all the immigration programs that came into being, they necessarily were to meet the needs of Canadians, the specific need at that point in time. It wasn't necessarily that, hey, they wanted us. It was that they needed us. And, um, and that was a program that I came on. My journey has been pretty in, in, interesting. I think I have been fortunate uh, to have grown professionally and to have been involved in a number of different activities that have helped me to grow personally. Um, one of the things that I think um, contributed to that was the fact that I didn't realize I was an immigrant, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I did not. I migrated here and I came with my Caribbean mindset. I am going there to change the world. And I was young. And so I... I was not in that immigrant mindset. I had blindfolds on. I knew what I wanted and I went after it. I was also cognizant and that was based on my upbringing that, you know what, no matter where you are, you have to work twice as hard. And when they tell you no, you just look to see where you can walk around. And that, I think, has helped me. Also, I have been involved from the early onset with um, with community organizations. When I first came here, I came as part of an agency, they recruited us, and we were told precisely not to be, uh, not to get involved 
with the Jamaican organization because the, the impact would be negative. And I happened across a, a Jamaican, Johnny Bryan, I can call his name, and he invited us to the meeting and three of us went and the rest is history. Um, since then, I have been involved with the Jamaican Association, not so much now, but I still keep in touch with them. I'm not actively involved, but, they, but the organization helped me to sort of navigate the system. And so I saw myself as a Jamaican and a Caribbean person. I didn't so much see myself as an immigrant. It was later on, in, uh, you know, when I started getting involved with other immigrant serving organizations, it hit me that, you know what, I am an immigrant. And so what I have been doing uh, since I've had this realization is to try to help new immigrants to navigate the system, to understand that, you know what, when you come here, you're here to meet a need. And, um, and when you come here, it's a different culture and you have to adapt. You cannot say, well, hey, you know, I am this, I am that, I'm supposed to fall right where I left from you know, when I when I came from home. And um, that, I think, is one of the crucial things that as immigrants to any country that we need to understand, that we're leaving what we know, we're going into somebody else's space, and we need to adapt. It's not them adapting to us. We need to adapt. And once we understand that, especially on a professional level, then we're good. Because when you when when you um, when you understand that it's now no longer oh I have my master's so I was a senior manager so I need to jump right into a manager's position. Um, it's understanding that hey I have to start from somewhere. What is that somewhere? Where do I want to go? What do I need to do right now to get me there? And that's the focus of what I do mainly right in this space where I'm at right now. Excellent. But just for the, our listeners, which country did you come from? I think I know, but I'm just going I to... I came from Jamaica. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure that the listeners know. I am from Jamaica. And that's very interesting what you said. Great. Wonderful. Marianne. I have a question for you. Uh... How was the how is the immigration process? How has it improved since your arrival, or how do you think it has improved since your arrival, or has it improved since your arrival? You know what that that is a two-edged question. Um, it has it has been more become more formalized, but in terms of improvement it depends on your point of view it depends on where you're you're coming from um the focus right now is not so much uh, um on family integration as it is to bring in the professionals that we need to work right now and so a majority of the programs that are available um currently are for temporary workers so that path that path to permanent residence is not as widespread as it used to be. The program I came on no longer exists. What has replaced it um, is now a program where you don't have to live in, but you can be you can apply after a certain period of time as part of the general pool. So there's no longer a specified program that you know if you're here in that program, you're surely going to be 
if you meet the requirements, you're going to be landed. Now you have to not apply as part of everybody else who is applying under the health services scheme. And that is the difference. The trust right now is on young professionals. And so there is a graduate program. And that is the new pathway to um, to permanent residents. Um, a lot of the applicants are no longer Caribbean. It's predominantly of Asian descent. So you're looking at, uh, and, and Latin America. So Asian Latin America. And these are the individuals coming in for their postgraduate certificates and applying to become permanent. So that is where the difference is. Uh, you know, you... You, you said something, thank you. You said something earlier, which I agree with, but I also have a bit of an issue with. You mentioned the fact about assimilating into the culture here, which I wholeheartedly agree with. I know that I am Jamaican and I will be Jamaican, but I have assimilated into the culture. The problem that I have though, is when I look at the, I look at professionals and yes, they may not be able to come here and get the same job that they held back where they're coming from, but Say, for instance, I have a friend. He is uh, well, actually, a, well, yeah, my friend, a work colleague. He is from India originally. Mm-hmm. He uh, studied medicine in Russia. Mm-hmm. And for him to come here, right, he is a doctor. I mean, mm-hmm. I go to him with questions when my doctor didn't <laughs> answer that I want. Uh, but it is such a challenge, I find, right, for them to come here. And even, yes, if you have to do some exams and blah, blah, blah. But why is it such a challenge? Why Why do I, why am I finding my taxi driver is a, 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 a scientist? Why am I finding that, you know, you have some, you have some housekeepers that have degrees that would would put me to shame and I it's a challenge exactly but 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 that but that is where the problem lies that is where the problem lies and i totally agree with you and and, and if you if you go back to the statement i made first is that immigration is not for us the immigrants it's for the canadian society and they bring us here to meet their needs and mm-hmm. they don't need us to be their doctors they need us because they already have their doctors. So they need to make to differ on that. Trust me. Go on talk. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, 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 and I'm talking, I am being publicly, um, I, I am taking, I am taking the, um, the perspective of Canada is yeah. that, and, and immigration as a whole is that they immigrate, um, countries do not bring immigrants in because they, because they really love the immigrants and want them here. They bring immigrants into the nation and whatever they see that need is. They go after the, big, the biggest and the best and the brightest, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they want the biggest and the brightest and the best to be, to, to, to do what the biggest and the brightest and the best came with. They mm-hmm. want them to meet that need. And the need is for, for taxi drivers. The need is for the secretaries. The need is for the basic work that the average Canadians do not want. Case in point, right now, I work for an organization and the majority of the um, the, the individuals who are applying for the positions that we have, and we, 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 we have frontline workers working, doing vaccinations, working LTC in support of COVID-19 and, uh, and the care of, of, um, of our Canadians. And the majority of the individuals who are applying are these graduate students. Majority of the individuals who are applying for these positions were on the front line. 
And for them, it's a path to immigration. The beauty, though, is that we have doctors. We have, and they're, and they're be, we have nurses, and they're being hired as doctors and nurses because they are involved in this organization on an, on, on an international level. So they are known. And they are the individuals who are putting their hands up and say, pick me, I want to go on the front line there and I want to, you know, and I want to expose myself to, to whoever comes in with COVID or not. And, I, and, and, and so that's what I want. So it's basically what the, the country you, you emigrate to, what they need. That's what, that's what where you fit in. Um, I may, if I may say that, uh, you know, I have seen where Canada is really, really, really bad at cross-migration, even province to province. If you're a professional in Ontario and you move to Alberta, you have to take certain amount of courses and, and in order for you to practice what you had already qualified for in in um. In, in Ontario. And that, I think, when I learned that, it helped me to sort of not be comfortable, not be happy, but, but sort of become resigned that, you know what, it's not just because I came from Jamaica. It's mm -hmm. because, you know, it's because of how this, the system works interprovincially where we're not really one when it comes to professionalism, um, why it is so difficult for professionals to really practice in their fields and they use things like you know what colloquial language they use everything that they can think of to make it difficult mm. well even myself as as a hairstylist when i came to canada ontario i had to take a license for ontario when i moved to bc i had to take another one mm -hmm. i had my city and girls of england i was already an educator i did what they said i had to do I just did it. But I mean, like you say, Vanessa. Yes. Um, well, thank you. Wow. That's been so much for me. I mean, I came here 20 years ago. I haven't really done anything but to just live. You know what I mean? Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we come here uh, because we feel like the grass is greener on the other side, right? Um, what are some of the roses and thorns you've experienced while helping others on their immigration journey? Ah, the roses. Um, <laughs> yeah, give us the roses first. You know, interestingly, my, one of my roses is very, very recent. Um, a friend of mine, um, he's Canadian and he, he returned home. I actually met him back in, in, in Jamaica and he was a person who inspired me to choose Canada and to choose Alberta and to choose Calgary. And, um, and so he, he's getting older and he decided to move back here because his wife is not Canadian. And so he moved back here so that she could become Canadian. And, um, and, I, you know, and I said, you know what, why don't you guys just come over? And when you're here, you apply for her as a spouse living in Canada, because that is the easiest route. Because, you know, we're not 20 anymore. So then you're losing points because of numbers of your age and you're losing points because of that. And you're losing points because of that. And um, she came in and she had her master's from Jamaica and she started applying for jobs. She was a manager in an international organization and she was applying for jobs and she was getting no calls. And I said to her, what do you want to do? I said to her, you know what, you have your master's and you have your master's in finance, but in this country, 
for you to be a senior accountant and to be at a managerial level, you need to have your CPA. Are you willing to go take that right now? Can you afford to take that right now? So what I would suggest that you do is she, she was, let me backtrack, she was getting advice from different people. I set her up with different mentors in her area that she could contact, come in contact with, but they were advising her to just join the pool with everybody else and to, you know what, go out there, show how big you are, show how bad you are, because yes, you can get a managerial job. I said to her, you know what, find a company, a good company, Find their accounting department and any job that you can get in that accounting department, as long as it's not to be sweeping the floor, you get in there. Because once you get in there and they see what you can do, the rest is history. And that's what she did. And she actually signed up with an agency and the agency offered her a position in a company, a very well-known company, um, to be an accounting clerk for 15 bucks an hour. And she said, no. And I said to her, you know what? My 20 years ago self would have said no too. But hey, I'm talking to you 20 years later. If that's a company you want to work in, and the accounting department, you go take it. I say, go back to that agent and just tell her whatever you want to tell her. Tell her that, hey, I was looking through the lens of a person coming from back home, but I'll take this job. Long story short, that was April of last year, November of last year, she was back home, she's now landed, she went back home, they allowed her to go back home, even though she was a term employee, and to work from home back home. Wow. And in the midst of being back home, they say, hey, a senior financial analyst is leaving, we want to train you for that position. She is now a senior financial analyst, if she had not taken that job she would not have had her foot in that door. They wouldn't have seen what she'd have done. And they wouldn't. So she now is working at the levels that she wants or getting there because she took the chance. And I wouldn't advise that to everybody because I, I, I wouldn't say to you, if you want to be an accountant, I wouldn't say go to be a, a preschool um, aide because that will not help you to get there. You have to be smart. You have to look at, and that is one of my success stories. That I, that I know I can talk about on air. <laughs> there are others, but people will know who they are. And I know this one I could talk about. For me, and, and from a personal level, I have, real, I have walked into interviews and known that, hey, this person isn't going to hire me because I am an immigrant. I, I remember a job I applied for at Husky years ago at the start of my journey. And I interviewed... And they called me back for the second interview. And they called me back for the third interview. And I felt really good. And I can't forget a sun that Sunday evening, I got a call. And I wish I had written down that gentleman's name. But the call came in and he said to me, you're not going to get that job. And he said to me, if it was up to me, you would have gotten that job. But there are three of us. But anywhere you, you go, if you need a reference, you can use my name. And this is a person I did not know until I stepped into that interview room. I don't know him. I still don't know him. I, I don't remember him. And I wish I kept his name. But I was young and those things weren't important. It was just passing through. But I never forgot that. And that thing made me realize, hey, Missy, anything you want in this country, you're going to have to work 10 times as hard for it. 
and you're going to get 101 no's. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? And whenever I get a no, it's like, hey, it's not ho, oh, it's because you know they're racist or because I'm an immigrant. It's like, what could I have done differently? Mm-hmm. And so I have grown and I have grown and I have grown because of that. That's really interesting. I, I When listening to you talk your story and you spoke about formalized and it's not as form, it was a lot easier then. And Vanessa experienced the same thing. She was saying yeah. that too when she was telling her story. And then you also spoke about the fact of temporary workers is what they're really going for now. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that I found most interesting was the splitting of families because based on how they're doing it now, yeah. it's yeah. definitely splitting families because you can no longer apply for your 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 siblings or your parents like you used to be able to which is really sad and the brain drain of the west the west is draining from all of the so-called undeveloped developing second world third world countries they are stealing their knowledge and the knowledge doesn't go back once it has achieved something here to go and give back they say And so the other countries are not benefiting. And that is the saddest thing that we're not helping the other places to grow and continue. Yes. You know? Yeah. I I, I agree with that. Um, The opportunity is still there to to bring your families here. Once you want, because when you're applying for permanent residency, no matter what the stream that you, except for the post-diploma, whatever other stream that you're applying for if you are part of the um the, the pool that they have now i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now but that's a, that pool for professionals if you're applying on that pool coming from your country here you can bring your families with with if you're coming to study on a study permit you can bring your spouses and and if you're studying or you're an employee um, on a work permit, your spouse can get a work permit to work as lo- under the conditions of your study permit. So your spouse can work full time and you can bring the kids too. So um, so th- that is not a bad thing. It, the, the, um, the only thing is that you, you no longer have that clear path to permanent residence as in the past. Once your term is up, you apply. If you're denied, you go back home and, 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 and things change so often these days, like overnight, like the caregiver program. I learned about it because somebody says, oh, no, it doesn't exist. It, ju- it happened. It wasn't announced. It was just stood on the radar. And that's how the changes are now is that you don't know until you go to apply for something and you realize it no longer exists. And, um, and so with, with the temporary foreign worker program, that's how it, 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 it ended. You woke up the next morning, it's gone. So people are not able to plan. And that is the, the, the hard, the, the downside or, you know, the, the con of this whole new immigration program is that you don't know what's going to happen. What exists today may not exist tomorrow. And there's no grandfathering. It's like once it's changed, no matter where you are in the in the process, you're done. Well, I think you just answered my question, but just in case you want to elaborate, my question to you was going to be, what are two immigration challenges that you see um, addressed or that you'd like to see addressed or reformed? And I think you kind of answered that, but how would you like to add to that in closing? To be, to be honest, I think more transparency needs to be, um, it needs to be there 
with um, with the immigration programs. It needs to be a little bit easier because if you're not a rocket scientist or, or studying to be one, it's really hard to navigate the, um, the immigration, the website, the application and all of that. And, and, and that is where you find that these agents come in. And whilst they may help the persons to get um, on the path to get where they want to be, if you don't, if you can't afford it, then you're left behind. Um, so the two things that I'd like to see is for the, the application process to be a little bit more clearly defined and easier to understand and navigate. The it's second thing that, that I'd like to see is having for each program, having a clear path to permanent residence for each program. Because if you look at all the immigrants um, the, the, in the country, you, you know what we hear about the ones who have made it big, the ones who have become MPs or become lawyers who are running for politics. What we don't hear about is, is the thousands of immigrants, not just from the Caribbean, but from around the world, who are making a huge impact one by one, even if it is to take care of a neighbor. And these are the people who have the biggest challenge because, because they're not high level and mainstream. They don't have the support of the organization that they're, they're in a part of to help them. So I would love to see that there's a clear path. To, if you need individuals to work in, in the country for even for a year, they're coming here to help your country. They're coming here to help our country. We need to have a clear path to immigration for everybody who is brought here on any form of a work migration program. Thank you, Sandra. I just want to tell, before you go, I just want to tell our listeners that if they want any more information about Canada, that they need to go to www.canada.ca and they will find all sorts of answers, maybe if they're lucky, <laughs> to the immigration process. But Sandra, really thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It has been very enlightening. It's always great to hear other people's stories. I have a couple of girlfriends whose mothers uh, came on the same program that you would have come on. And yes, like that is how they got here because their mothers came first, did the work, and then they were applied for later. So we really know it is a great opportunity. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go for a break and we will be right back. This is MVM. Hello, 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 beautiful people. This is Judy Lewinson, AKA Judy Lou, executive producer at Van Grio. You have been listening to This Is MVM, and we are so happy that you joined us today. If you enjoyed today's programming and wish to show your support, we'd love it if you would start by liking, sharing, following, and commenting on any of our social media channels. You can find This Is MVM on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at MVM Stories. That's MVM Stories. You could have been anywhere, but today you chose to spend a little time with us, and we want to thank you again for listening. Be sure to tell your friends and family about This Is MVM. It was wonderful hearing your story today, Sandra. Sandra Martin, all the way from 
Calgary, Alberta, via Jamaica. Um, it's always great to hear story. Thank you so very much for sharing yours with us. Vanessa. Sanjay, I just want to thank you and say how much we appreciate you taking the time out to share with us your story and to educate some of us a bit on what is going on. Thank you again. Hey, Sandra. Thank you so much. You're one of the blessings in my life. Having met you, how long ago did we meet? Two years ago. We're only 20. <laughs> oh, darling, you're so kind. Many, many moons. The Jamaica National Council that brought us together and we met in um, in Toronto and I just want to say thank you so much for coming and sharing with us. It's it's always delightful to talk to you and I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much ladies for having me. Talking about immigration and, and immigrants and a whole is such a passion of mine so it was really really a honor for me to be here and give me the opportunity to share. Um, Enjoy the rest of your day. It's a beautiful sunny day and I will catch up with you later. Take care. Bye. 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 Take care. So as we have basically uh, figured out, immigration is not for immigrants. Just imagine. Uh, that was our guest, Sandra Martin from Calgary, Alberta. And it was wonderful to hear her story. What What did you guys take away from that, V&M? When she said, we come here with our ideas, something to that extent, so much was said, but we come here with our ideas of how it should be. Um, we're professionals, so we should get a job in this field. Like for me, I wasn't a happy come in and have to start over and be a cleaner, but you have to do what needs to be done to get you to the next level. And that's very important. Um, so yeah, she seems very passionate about what she's doing. I would love to talk to her some more on this because as so much has changed when it comes to immigration and the application process. I did it not too long ago for my mom. So it, <laughs> that process, if you're not going to hire a professional, you definitely need someone other than yourself because it could be very stressful. There's a lot of information that you have to have down to remembering brother and sister who have passed away. So I'm telling you, it is not a process you can just sit there and finish in a week so if you if like you're applying for someone and you need time or you have a specific date you need to start that process a year or two in advance that's an interesting comment that you just made when you said even right down to siblings who may have died and I can and when you said that it triggered right away that obviously there's fraudulent behavior that goes on in applications and this yes. is why so if you don't know if you don't document who those family members are that they've deceased and yes. then you later on decide to bring somebody else in because one of my girlfriends who came from Jamaica whose mother came on the program, her mother thought to get to Canada, she would not say she had family, that she had any children. And so when she got here, she basically came as a single mother, as a single person, sorry, without children. And then she was working for a doctor and the doctor actually in the conversation found out she had these children at home. And when it came time for her to apply, she couldn't apply because she'd said no. So the doctor actually stepped in and helped with the legalities that needed to do, because she didn't have the money for a lawyer, but yeah. she did what she did thinking that was the only way she could get to Canada. Yes. And you, you know what? I also know of um, situations where 
fathers, for instance, they have children outside of maybe outside of wedlock and so on, and they don't think that it's necessary for them to put down their names. Names mm-hmm. it can be denied. They have to. They have to include all of their children. Yes. You know, if their mothers decide that they don't want them to, you know to go to 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 be a part of it then 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 that's up to them but at the end of the day when you're filling in these documents you have to you have to be truthful as truthful very detailed and very yeah you have to have the details yeah 2014 i was in jamaica on the beach 2015 on the beach and this young fella was talking to me and he has family his father's in uh, in the east and he i said to him oh i said so are you coming to canada he says no because my dad never put my name down so his dad emigrated with his with his wife and the two children from that marriage but never put his name down and now he can't get a pass 25 years old and can't get a pass so you know very interesting like you say yeah i think i think that any of our listeners should make sure they know and even sometimes women who have married men who they know have children don't spite the other children just for your own children because that is a selfish way because if your children can deserve the opportunity your partner had these children before he or she met you so therefore you should allow every child the opportunity you know don't deny it just based on some relationship that you have because again yes that might be your story but sometimes you have to step up i think in terms of people who want to migrate to another country i believe the one of the most important things is for them to be informed you know a lot of times people go about this process and they do not have a clue they don't know what their rights are they don't know that for instance with the with the children that unless that's changed, there's no cost to putting the children's names down. And as far as I know, it is not going to impact whether or not um, they, they they get through with the, with the selection process. But I think information, one, and I think one of the things that like the cultural organizations in whatever country that you're wanting to move to, to try and make contact with them. And for those, um, for those cultural, uh, associations and so on for them to have the kind of information needed because a lot of time people come here I remember talking to this one lady who came here she and her husband and her children came here and they lived with family members she had no idea about going for her sin card she had no idea the things she told me she didn't know and her family basically said to her well when we came we had to find out for ourselves so whatever you need to know you need to find out for yourself and they actually missed missed out on opportunities because of that you know so knowledge is key i think it's very important that you do your research even even young miss i came across a couple years ago who decided she was working some good money in one of the other islands and decided that you know what Let's, I'm going to go to school in Canada. I'm going to apply for this particular course. My girl come and she had no clue that the, the, the school that she applied to, they didn't do anything for her other than take her money. And then when she came for the, like, even to come to the airport, there was nobody to greet her there. For her to go and stay in a hostel, she paid like $300 a night to stay in a hostel downtown. Mr. My girl. <laughs> really? 
Oh my goodness. I just think that it's so important for people to be informed and don't ask questions, ask questions, ask questions, ask the questions and, and get and be as knowledgeable as you can be before one you pick up and try to move to a country, whether you want to migrate, whether you want to study, whatever it is that you want to do, be informed. Because they say there is no such question as a stupid question, only the one you don't ask. There you go. That's it. Well, I think this has been a great topic. And I think, you know what? I think that we should have a continuance of this. And it should be something like first world, third world. Which one is better? Look, don't get me started, girl. (laughs) Because, you know, when I told my story, it might sound like I don't like Canada. I hope that didn't come across because I love Canada. I'm just saying that at this stage in life, it's making me realize. And I think, too, because a lot of Canadians do it as well. They choose to move somewhere else for retirement. And that's really what I am talking about is where do I want to spend the next active chapter? Because, you know, I'm I'm not using a cane or walking frame. I'm still able-bodied. So, therefore, in order to live this next chapter of my life before I need to kind of settle down and keep quiet. Um, it makes me wonder, do I want to move somewhere else or, or share? I, I tell you what, the only thing I would say at this point, you know, migrating here has been uh, an eye opener for sure. I could say maybe this would have happened if I didn't come or that would have happened if I didn't come. But hey, I wouldn't have met you guys. We would be here talking right now. And uh, before we go to closing, Vanessa, Marianne, if you have any final statements to add to your close, please feel free. But in the meantime, I just want to add before I do my final closing that immigration may not be for immigrants. However, it is important to acknowledge how great immigrants continue to make the nation of ours. At the end of the day, but for those of indigenous descent, we are all immigrants. Together we all live and work together to make Canada a true multicultural leader of excellence in the world. Vanessa. Marianne, so after listening to you, I think since I have been in um, part of the St. Vincent organization for a long time, and you're also part of your organization for Jamaica, maybe we should collab on something where we can, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, start educating people or maybe reach out to schools because you had that story of that young girl who really didn't know what to do. Um, maybe that's something we can have a discussion on later on so that we can help others because I know how it felt when I came here 20 years ago and I, I always say I wish I knew, I wish I knew and I didn't really have anyone to go to. I didn't join the organization until like 10 or 15 years later. So that was a long time to really get involved to know what was going on. So maybe we can talk about that later on. Leave the answer. Uh, well, Michelle, I did say Marianne, but you know, you, Marianne? you can join us too. I heard you say, oh, darling, oh, so darling, you're so because welcome. I, because, so because I say because I didn't come from from. Mm-hmm. All right, what go along, you, you go along, go along, go along, Darling, 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 you know we can't leave you out. If I the egg, you're in at the red. Anyway. <clears throat> that's a Jamaican coming out in me. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds good, Vanessa. Uh, I I really do think, in as much as you know, things have advanced, and you know, this is the world of of technology and information is out there, and people can Google things. It's a, just amazing how much information 
um, people can be starved of. Seriously, information that they need to have. You can get all kinds of information out there, but things that you actually need to have that's going to make a difference in decisions that you make for your life. Sometimes it's it's not that easy to get. And sometimes, you know what? People don't even know what to ask. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And you just need that guidance, you know? So I'd really love to talk to you about that. And and Michelle and you know, anybody else that would <laughs> Judy. <laughs> cover the bases, cover the bases, cover the bases. All the bases sure. covered. There you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and all those out there listening to our wonderful show today on immigration. It was a pleasure having you contribute your time to us because we know you cannot get it back. We hope we may Made you laugh. We hope we made you smile. We hope you we made you think. This is Michelle signing out. Just remember, life is a journey and not a destination. So enjoy, live, make it a great one. As you heard, our stories are similar but unique to each of us. So no matter what life throws at you, we have the option most, and I say most of the time, to make it what we want. Continue to write your story one page at a time. And please be good to yourself. Until next time. This is a more senior M in NBM, one of the immigrants, one of the many immigrants signing off. So in the meantime, in between time, be well, stay safe, talk soon. You've been listening to This Is MVM with hosts Michelle St. Hill, Vanessa Williams, and Marianne Pine. Executive produced by Judy Liu for Bangrio. This Is MVM is recorded in Metro Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. For full episode credits, please visit bangrio.com. And be sure to follow at MVM Stories on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Until next time, continue to be the love. <laughs>